today I want to talk on a message I entitled Faith in the Name of Jesus. Faith in the Name of Jesus. And I want us, if we can, to go to Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 to 21. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 to 21. If anybody, if anybody has it, they can read it for me. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 to 21. And yeah. when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and so vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and off into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to wonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out by, but by prayer and fasting. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> Verse 17, Matthew 17, 17. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? In this dispensation, we are faithless and perverse. Now, in this text that we just read, the disciples were trying to heal and deliver a demonic boy, but they couldn't. To the extent that the man whose son was bound by demons had to go to the master of the disciples. Now, in our normal educational system, I'm going somewhere, stay with me. In our normal educational system, it is proven that practice is superior to learning. In our normal educational system, you must understand that practice is superior to learning. Someone will say, where is your evidence? My evidence is that when you graduate from university and, you're going, and you are going to look for a job, they will ask you for working experience. Mm -hmm. Working experience means practice that you have come to a place where you have practiced what you have been taught. So in Matthew chapter 17, 40 to 21, everything Jesus was expounding to the disciples when he was teaching them for so many years and months, they had to showcase it practically. They had to showcase it practically. And when the practical moment appeared, they failed the practicals. So in hindsight, practice is better than theory. We all have been into a science class before somewhere or another. 
when we read the theoretical theoretical guidelines on how to you know uh, how to uh, 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 you know uh, um, practice or how to you know uh, conjure a, 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 an experiment it is simple or oh, put the, the 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 acid in the test tube put this amount of potassium sulfate and all that it is easy to read but when you begin to do the practical realities of the experiment then there is a question because sometimes you might read the theoretical aspect and go to the practical and you realize that no the things i read in the theoretical session or aspect i got it but when it came to the practical i am struggling now in the kingdom of god you will need revelation and experience to power your destiny it is not good enough to know the written word. Bible says that the letter kill it, but the spirit give it light. And the spirit will give you light in the extent that he will give you experiential knowledge. Knowledge that is experienced. So many at times we sit in church and think that we have understood the word of God. We think that we have understood the message from the preacher until we enter into a real world or until we enter into a predicament, then we know that no, the things we profess and confess, we don't really believe in it. Christianity is 90% experience, 10% theory. The disciples have been taught and been discipled and lectured. But now when it came to showcase what they, what they were taught, they could not produce. The man brought his demonic boy onto them. And Jesus has been practically and theoretically been teaching them the ways of the kingdom. He said, if you cast out, if you cast out demons by the spirit of God, now then henceforth, the kingdom of God has come upon thee. He taught them so many principles, so many facets in the kingdom of God. Sometimes he would teach the multitude in parables. But when it comes to them, Bible says in Matthew chapter 13 verse 11, for unto you it is given to know the mysteries. Jesus Christ taught the disciples. He gave them mysteries. He gave them secrets pertaining to the kingdom of God. He taught them the pathway. He gave them all the theoretical answers for them to prosecute the kingdom agenda. But when it came to the time to showcase it, they failed. That is our life. We study so much of the scriptures. We go to church. We listen to all kinds of messages. But now when we go to the field, we cannot produce it. I said practical is superior to theory. Practice is better than learning. Same thing in the realms of the spirit. Practice is better than learning. Think in the name of Jesus. That is my message today. Shall we go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 10? Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. Yes. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
At the mention of the name Jesus, every knee shall bow. Now, I want to ask a question. Few people on, so it's, uh, it's good. I wanted to even ask three people. And we had three on here. What is the purpose of names in the spirit? Or what is the purpose of names in the kingdom? Ella, I'll start with you. What do you think? What is the purpose of names in the kingdom or in the realm of the spirit? I think uh, names in the spirit is to uh, recognize who the person is and also maybe like the rank of the person so that like if you need to call the person you can call the person by their name okay identification for, for what identification identification okay benedict what is the prophetic meaning of names in the spirit in the kingdom thank you very much Alan. Benedict. Uh, for me, I believe uh, the names signify um, not just the identity of the person, but also like it, it comes with power. And mm. because with each ident- with each name, I mean, like how like how Ella said with how each uh, name is used to like identify each person. But mm. when we come to our Lord God, you can see that His name carries power, and you mm. sort of ask yourself, why does His carry power? Because it's like He's the embodiment of um, of power itself. So, in a sense, his the utterance of his name itself is is power. So, yeah, people's name also come with power. Your own name also comes with power. It's how much authority God has invested upon your name. That's why, in the end, he's uh, he has said that uh, his name reigns over all. His name is actual power. So. Yeah, mm. our names cannot defeat the devil because well mm. our names we, we have to draw power from somewhere else and that is by god so mm. yeah thank you thank you bless you clara what is the meaning of names in the spirit or in the kingdom um I'm just, i think i'll just echo what everyone has said and also add that for example when you use the example of god like so many people know him by different names and I take it as the names show a facet of whom you are that even without them knowing you or seeing you or knowing what you can do your name should be able to speak whom you are if that makes sense like someone who know God like Hagar no uh knew God, he, she referred to God as Elroy because she said he is the one that sees me. Or um, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that the, the Lord my provider. So it's that thing that is attached to you that means that as Benedict said, it shows a power within you and that even without someone having to explain whom you are, your name should speak all that is required, if that makes sense. So somebody will say Jehovah Jireh because to them God is their provider. Somebody will say Elroy because to them the Lord saw them when nobody else did. Um, Shalom because peace. So it's like this, uh, like Ella said, this identification tool that without them saying anything else, it should profess or speak of who you are and the power within you before they even add anything else, if that makes sense. 
Mm. Okay. Thank you all. Now, let me say what I want to strike. I think most of you have strike a chord to the answer that is accurate. The most, the first that came close was Benedict. Now understand that in the realms of the spirit, names is not for identification. I'm glad you all use this word identification. For you to identify me, I have a name. But in the realms of the spirit, names is not for identification. Because in the realms of the spirit, there is a technology which is, which is called knowing. You just know somebody by knowing them. There is no tag on them. There is no name on them. In the realms of the spirit, you just know. So let, let's say if you all happen to go to the kingdom of heaven today, you don't need a name to call me. Even if I have never met anybody on planet Earth, I would just, I would just know them. So now let me move to the answer. Names is not for identification or taxation or to know somebody. Names, as Benedict says, is for authoritative purposes. It's for power and authority. Power is not an accurate word. Let's use this word authority. So names symbolizes authority in the spirit. So your name determines your authority level. That is why Bible says that at the mention of the name Jesus, when they mentioned the name of Jesus, it wasn't for identification. It was to showcase the authority and power embedded in the name. So names in the realms of the spirit is for authority. Am I, am, am I making sense today? Understand yeah. that names is not for identification in the spirit. Now, in the physical, names is for identification. But in the realms of the spirit, names is authoritative figures. Names is not for taxation or nomenclature to number you or to identify you. No, in the realms of the spirit, names is authoritative. That is why Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 says, at the mention of the name Jesus, what will happen? Every knee shall bow authority. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So understand that whenever you use the name of Jesus, it is an authoritative figure. I just open the eyes of your understanding. Matthew 17. So names is for authoritative purposes. Now, when you now you all put your name there on this network so that I can identify you in the kingdom of God on the realms of the spirit. We don't put names for identification, we put names for authoritative purposes. Stay with me. We are traveling today. Let's read Matthew 17, verse 17 again. Matthew 17, verse 17. Matthew 17, verse 17. Matthew 17, verse 17. Yes. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Now, the disciples could not 
kill this demonic boy. Now the response to Jesus was striking. I cannot heal this person. I cannot cast out the spirit from this little boy. Now the response Jesus gave to the disciples was a bit striking. Look at the scripture. He says, then Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Now we can understand faithless. Now how does perverseness, how is perverseness correlated with this issue? Now it's like Jesus is, you know, let's say Jesus, we were the, um, you know, the disciples of Jesus. Now Jesus has been teaching us so many things in the kingdom. And now he has sent us. Bible says that he first called us to be with him, that he might send us. Bible says that at some point he sent them two by two, and they went about to heal and to cast out devils. Now they came to a point in Matthew chapter 17, verse 40 to 21. And when he came to that point, there was a little boy, and you and I we couldn't cast out the little boy. So now the man whose child was demonized took the little boy to our master. Now, when we all went to our master, Jesus said these words to us, Benedict, Clara, uh, uh, Kenan, Ella, you are faithless and you are perverse. Are you catching it? So now we went to Jesus and Jesus is telling you and I that you are faithless and perverse. Now, when I read this scripture, what struck me was, why is, why is Jesus calling you and I perverse? Now, when we think about perverse, we are thinking of something that is mundane, something that has been deviated, something that is, you know, sexually perverse, you know, those kind of things that we think about. But why is Jesus saying that we are perverse? I will answer you. Actually, let me ask, why did Jesus use that word? You know, faithless, as for faithless, we will all give good answers or answers. I don't want faithless. Why is Jesus saying we are perverse? Answers. I will today, this one, I'll start with Clara. Clara, why did Jesus call us perverse in this text? Let's go. Today, I'm not, I'm not the one only preaching here. Clara, why did Jesus call us perverse? Put yourself in the disciples. You can't cast the devil out of this little boy. Now, you go to your master. Your master says two things. Now, the first thing may the first thing is normal. You know, you lack faith, you know. But the second thing is striking, perverseness. Why did Jesus call you perverse? Give me answers. Think about it. If you want us to pass, we'll pass on you, but we'll come back. Everybody will answer. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, come. Kenneth, why did God call you perverse? Kenneth. Is it there? Why did God call you perverse? Okay, we'll pass on. Uh, wait, what was the scripture again? Bro, what was the scripture? What, no, what was it based on? Matthew uh, chapter 17, 14 to yeah. 21. Let me read the scripture for you. But let me summarize for you. Remember the demonic boy that mm. the disciples could not heal. The Bible mm. says there was a man who had a son who was demon, demonized. In mm. other words, demons had engulfed them. And they mm. took the boy to the disciples. The disciples could not do their job. They couldn't mm. heal the boy. They couldn't cast out the devils from the boy. Now, when, mm. now the disciples brought him. Now the disciples and the, and the boy's dad went to 
Jesus. And when he went to Jesus, Jesus asked them a question. Why couldn't you do this thing? This is what I've been teaching you and lecturing you for months and years. Now, the response Jesus gave to the disciples was in verse number 17. Matthew chapter 17, verse 17. He said, mm. oh, faithless and perverse generation. Now, my question to everybody is, why is Jesus using this word perverse? Um, Forget faithless. From, from what I was, from what I, I say from it, it's like because I've I've read the scripture before, so I'm I'm going ahead of what you said. But what I'll take from it is like they did it for their own glory, in the sense that they were doing it to show that yes, they also can do this. Not in the but name. But they of were not able to heal. The, but they were not able to heal the boy, bro. Yeah, for sure. So, so why that, did Jesus call them perverse? For their own glory. They were doing it for their own glory. Is that your answer? Yeah, that's my answer. Okay, Ella. Perverse. Because I think that, because obviously the word perversion, as she said, means that we've deviated from normal, right? So yeah. basically, it's almost like Jesus was admonishing them because they did not understand the power that they also had from associating with him in the sense that we also have the power to, you know, trample upon, you know, all the things that the, the Bible has said about us. But because of like life and a lot of things, we have deviated so much that we don't even recognize the power that we have in his name. So maybe that's why he called us perverse. I don't know. Okay. Benedict, please, perverse. Uh, okay. I mean, I mean, when, once you, you started reading and me, I just checked up the meaning of perverse straight away because before okay. you even ask that. But I, I, like Ella said, I mean, pretty much similar to what Ella said, like perverse in its sense, and also what you said, it's in a sense like illogical, like contrary to basically, you, it's like you behave um, contrary to the expected manner of practice. So what I can understand from you is that, what you did said, you just say? What did you just say? Repeat, if, repeat that same thing exactly, exactly mm. as you said it. Say it again. Because if you behave contrary to the expected manner, uh, expected manner or practice, behave contrary to what the expected manner, expected manner. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of practice. Or practice. Thank uh -huh. you very much. So, okay, good. Continue. <laughs> so, ideally, from what you said, you're like, uh, Jesus has taught the disciples, he stayed with disciples the whole time. So, in a sense, from here, you can, I mean, if you read on further, you, under, you know the reason why he said it. So, it's like how it's like your teacher has taught you, like how you said, um, practical is better than, uh, I mean, you, the theory is good, but practical, you have to use a practical too. So it's like Jesus has taught them what to do. I've, I'm assuming he's taught them what to, how to overcome different situations. But when they came to the devil, uh, they, the way they tried to cast out the, de the demon was not how he taught them. That's why it was like, in this case, it's like perverse. Like how he taught them to do it, he, they didn't do it that way. And um, like, if you come down, he says that this kind can only like be done through prayer. So if Jesus taught them that you guys need to pray for this kind of demon, you guys need to pray. Meaning, prayer is like communicating with communicating with God, communicating with the Father. So in this sense, you can see that with this demon, it's something that requires power, not just from like not just from the one that's invested in us, but from the one that comes from the Father Himself, the one that comes from Jesus Himself. So when they didn't pray. They were not relying on like they were only relying on the power that they had then and then. They were not relying on the power for God to come out and cast it out 
um, themselves um, himself. So I mean that's how I understand it by when you go later. So they were not doing it how Jesus taught them to do it. They were doing it according to their own manner, the way their old manner of doing stuff. They were not doing it according to the way Jesus taught them to do it. I mean that's how I understand it. You have spoken for four minutes. Your answer was in the first two seconds. Repeat the expected place for me. Repeat that place. I want to hear it again. Good. Uh, NBA, contrary to the accepted or expected um, standard or practice. So, is that, I mean, contrary to the expected what standard or practice. Or practice. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Contrary, someone put in the comment section. We are, and we are teaching here. We are not, it's not every time we shout. It says, contrary to what someone put in the comment section. I'm going somewhere. Contrary to what? Ben, what did you say? Contrary to the accepted or expected standard or practice. Expected standard of practice. All that all my answers are in that sentence. The rest, so mm. why Cla- Clara, you are Clara, why did Jesus mm. call them perverse? It's already being said, and I was doing Oh this no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, so I, I did the same thing. I checked the dictionary definition for perverse, and as uh, Benedict said, it is contrary to what is the norm or expected of a few. So um, I think that was his way of just hanging into the fact that he expected better from them. He, it's like when you say that, like if this, where like when you someone does something to you, it's like you tell them this. I would expect it from someone else, but from you. So it's like his way of saying, like, I thought you knew this. Uh, you've been with me for this long. This is something you should know. It should be something that is like second nature to you. And as um, uh, Benedict said, uh, from the text, you can deduce that they were probably doing it in the wrong way. Like, it is likely that they've been with Jesus enough to see that he fasts. It is likely that it is, they've been with him long enough to see that he prays. He goes to have hours of prayers and not doesn't just stand there and, like, scream words without any, like, <laughs> like anything, without any spiritual work of his own. Like, so there means of doing it, I guess, showed him that they don't fully understand what he's doing all this while. I guess maybe it's like you said, like maybe he was telling them certain things, but also doing certain things and they weren't paying attention to what he was doing. They were listening to what he was saying, but the things he was doing that he wasn't explicitly saying that he was expecting them to like pick up, they didn't. So he made the comments, you perverse, like, you should know this. This is not how you should be acting. Like you should be. Uh, you should already understand this. So the comment he made that he, at the end that he says like this kind you need to fast and pray before you can. He it's, it makes it seem like he expected they would know this already, but they didn't, and it seemed they were just there trying to cast out demons who just because they thought all he did was just stand and speak without doing anything at all in no um prior work so that's why he made that comment with the faithlessness because working with him for this long they should not be faithless they should they should be the last people to be faithless or the last people to be doing things the wrong way so he made that comment 
proving, showing just how their actions are so opposite to how they should really be acting. All right. Thank you very much. So, you see how you have to break down scripture before many of us have read this and passed by. Okay. This is how you do it. Now, many of you have strike a chord. At least I know Benedict strike their chord first. Came close, more or less good answer. Now, the reason Jesus called you and I perverse was that he had a great expectation of us. But we didn't strike close to that expectation. So Jesus expected us to get 90% in this practical and we got 30%. That is why he called us perverse. Because the expectation that was, you know, was put forth was not close enough to the produce we made. So Jesus expected the disciples to get this done, but they could not get this done. So the expectation he had for them, they could not strike a chord to that expectation. Henceforth, they are perverse. Like Benedict said, something that is contrary to an expectation or practice. So two problems Jesus was lamenting over, faithlessness and perverseness. We lack the faith and we lack the ability to strike a chord to the expectations and the standard of God. Bible says that for all men as 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 sin and falling short of the words glory. That glory means the expectation and the standard of God. Now understand that God is an investor. God is an investor. He brought you into the marvelous light so that he can reap profit and dividends for you or from you. How do I know this? He gave us a parable and that parable, we just read it and read it. We are not understanding it. The parable of the talent, he gave five, he gave two, he gave, he gave five, he gave three, he gave one. The five went to produce five more. The three went to produce three more and the one produced nothing. And he said, thou wicked and what? Perverse. Remember the scripture now? Thou wicked and perverse servant. In other words, whenever God places something upon your life, he places a grace. He places an anointing. He places influence upon you. He will expect a profit dividend that you produce something. Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 5, there was a vineyard and a man sowed in so many crops. But Bible says in verse 6 and 7, that when he came back expecting some crops and fruits, what grew in the vineyard was what? Tears and what? Barrels. In other words, tons and tessels. What happened? His investment went wrong. So whenever you don't bring profit to God and his kingdom, Jesus classifies you as a perverse personality. More example. Bible says that any fruit, any tree that does not produce fruit, that tree will be what? Number one, chopped down. Number two, cast into fire. 
In other words, if you don't bring produce in the kingdom of God, you are classified as perverse. Now, God is an investor, and no investor wants to make a loss, not even you. God is a businessman. Not a businessman as you know, but I'm trying to let you understand. So I'm using this terminology. God is looking for a return on his investment. Bible says that what? He, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There was this quote that was going about. He said that what? He gave his only son so that he can have many sons of men. In other words, he sold his son Jesus Christ so that you and I can become the sons of God. As many as receive him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So you will be labeled perverse if you don't produce fruits unto God. Hear me? Anything God gives you, it could be power. It could be anointing. It could be wisdom. It could be, you know, deliverance, anointing, anything. God will expect a return of profits from it. What did you do with the anointing? What did, we, what did you do with the wisdom? What did you do with the power gift? What did, we, what did you do with the prophetic gift? God has given you insight. God, sometimes God shows you so many ideas. What have you done with the ideas? God will return or will request a return of profit from what he has given you. That's why I said any tree that does not produce, let that tree be cut down. Because you are waste for nothing. You are wasting. You have become a wasting man. And the kingdom of God, there is no waste. There is no investment. The tree is not producing. And Spiritually, human beings symbolize these trees. How do I know this? One day, Jesus wanted to heal a man. And then he, he spit on the floor, took spat on the floor, missed it with the dust, put it upon the guy's eyes. He said, what do you see? He said, I see men like trees. Settled. God is good, but he still wants his return of investment. Many people know God as a father. But they don't know God in many dimensions. You must know God to a wider scope. God is many things to many people. So you must come to the economy where you know God as many things. People know God as Jehovah Jireh. People know God as Jehovah Gebor, the man of war. But you must know God in deeper and wider dimensions. God is also an investor. Am I making sense? Believers in this era... Only go to God when they have a problem. After the miracles, they leave God and don't see God. But God is still good. Doesn't mean because of your perverseness, you know, you know, mindset, God will not do a miracle. Whether you are perverse, whether you are not perverse, God will still be in the business of miracles, signs, and wonders. Because that is his nature to give to his sons. Bible says that even if our if even our health, even if our um, Bible says that you, even you, that your father is wicked, can give you good things. How much more of your heavenly father? Even wicked fathers give their children good things. How much more about our heavenly father who is good? Bible, Jesus said, 
for only one person who is good, which is God. No man is good except God. How much more about him? It doesn't matter the level of perverseness. God is still good. But we have to upgrade to sonship. That is the place of real business. There is a price to pay. You have to produce an investment for God. Now sit down. Look at your life. Look at your Christian life. Look at your calling. One day God said to me that if you are not careful, the enemy will pervert your calling. I never understood this thing until today that I entered into the scripture. And I knew that if my calling does not produce anything, then my calling has been perverse. If my calling does not meet the expectation of heaven, then my calling has been perverse. Now in the economy of God, or should I say, Jesus was lecturing the disciples that all they need was a small speck of faith, a grain of a master's seed, tiny, they will be able to do what he expected them to do. Now in the economy of God, if you want to engage the name of Jesus, you must do it by faith. Many people say the name of Jesus, but they don't have faith in the name. I entitle today's message, faith in the name of Jesus. If you want to use the name of Jesus and engage the name accurately, you must do it in faith and by faith. Now, what is faith? Now, I'll ask everybody. Today we are doing Bible studies. I'll close right now, then we'll pray. What is faith? Everybody will answer. When you answer, don't quote scripture for me. I don't want faith as a substance. No. What is faith? This one, I will start with Ella. Ella, what is faith? Don't quote Hebrews. Don't quote Hebrews for me. I want your definition of faith. Help me, Lord. Ella, what is faith? Um, so faith is having complete um assurance in someone so in this case having complete assurance in god that no matter what happens he's he is for you and so yeah okay, even like you cannot even like what in, like if even if the reality is not matching what he said in the word you still believe and you still trust that's faith okay kenneth what is faith Faith, faith is hoping against hope. Hoping against what? Hope. <laughs> okay. Is that all? Yeah. Okay. Clara, what is faith? Faith is uh, belief in someone or something that indeed they will come through for you. Even when the thing hasn't been done, not quote, not quote scripture, but it's like, like how we say in the world, right or die, that somebody you have, you have complete faith in that, you know, this person or this thing or this being, whenever you need them, if it is late in the night or early in the morning, they will be there and they will come through. You know that if you were on death row and you needed their um, 
reports or their accounts you know they will speak in your favor or they will help you in your times of need it's that person or that being or that mm-hmm. thing that you believe that will be there for you no matter what so basically from what i heard you say you said faith is believing right summed up right Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Benedict. What you say? Yeah, I mean, I agree with most of most pretty much everyone. Uh, faith is uh when you have total and complete trust in uh I mean I'll just use an example I'll just use God just because so that it's easy for me to explain. Like having total and complete trust uh for God and surrendering yourself to to His will, pretty much surrendering yourself to Him, knowing that. Uh, pretty much it's like the main part is like knowing that he's there for you every time knowing that even if you cannot see him even if you cannot feel it just the whole part of knowing and being reassured that he's there like in the end at the end of the day whatever he said or whatever uh whatever he has told you you come through with it like just having the total complete trust and surrender to him and yeah believing in like parents like us and believing like believing in in him like the blind even you can say blind trust blind belief or like blind knowing that you can, you haven't seen it or knowing that your reward is not in front of you or what what he has told you is not in front of you but you still trust him anyway knowing that he's there for you like yeah complete like in a sense to complete surrender like to his to him thank you very much benedict thank you all you see why something you have to do bible studies Benedict says something that struck me. He said blind belief. We are learning, all right? So don't feel like I'm trying to, you know, make you feel like you don't know. We are all learning. Blind belief. Clara, I'm writing stuff down so that I don't forget what I want to say. Clara said belief. Kenneth said hope against hope. And then uh, Ella said more or less what the other three said. Now, first thing I want to say is this. Faith is not entirely believing. How do I know faith is not entirely believing? James chapter 2 verse 14. Faith without works is dead. So you can believe something and if you don't act on that thing, Bible says faith without works is dead. So faith cannot be believing in God. Only It is not a complete circuit. Am I making sense? Ben also says something. He said blind believing, if I'm not mistaken. That is also not quiet. I will explain that later. So I said faith is not entirely believing. If it is entirely believing, then James, the writer, will not say faith faith without works is dead. Let's go to the book of James. James chapter 2, verse 14. He said, James chapter 2, verse 14. James chapter 2, verse 14. Uh, Even so, if... uh, Okay, let's read. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit? My brethren, thou a man say he has faith and have not works. Can faith save him? So, he say, you say you have faith, but you don't have words. Can that your belief save you? It's a question. If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food 
And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be you warm and fruit. Notwithstanding, you give them no distance which are needful to the body. Does it profit? Even so, if it does not work, it's dead. Be alone. So faith cannot entirely be what? Believing. The next thing is faith in action is no fool. Faith in action is no fool. Because faith in action is no fool. The only time faith in action is fool when it is inspired and predicated by the Spirit. How do I know this? Sometimes you are believing God for something. Now, when you're believing God for something, you think that, wow, faith, oh, you have faith for this, and you go and take an action. Any action you take that is not predicated, that is not inspired, that is not led by the Spirit, is not faith in action. So, for instance, I am believing God for a job breakthrough. Obviously, the natural phenomenon is that I will send CVs looking for a job application. Then suddenly, I just say, no, I believe that. You know, I prayed for this. I'm going to go to this company. And today, I'm going to go speak to a secretary that I want a job interview. That is faith. You have faith. You believe that, you know, you, you, you believe that, you know, uh, you know, you can get go there, speak to the HR or whatever, and then they can schedule uh, uh, um, in a job interview for you. That is faith, but that is not accurate faith. That is just a belief system you have for your faith, or should I say your faith in action to be accurate, it must be predicated by a directive. The Holy Spirit must give you a direction. The Holy Spirit must whisper something to you. God must put a witness in your spirit. And by that, when you take that step of action that the Holy Spirit has given you, you are in faith. So, Ben said blind believing. I like that. You're going to work with that. So you understand. Faith has a belief, like I said, and an action aspect. So for, for faith is simply, I'm, I'm giving you, I'll give you two or three definitions. This is definition one, very basic. So faith simply means belief plus action plus direction from the Holy Ghost. That is faith. What is faith? Belief plus action plus directives from the Holy Ghost. Someone put in a comment section. What is faith? There's a basic definition. Belief plus action plus directive from the Holy Ghost. Now, let me put that in words. Now, faith is the action we take based on our belief. Now, put this in the comment section too. Faith is the action we take based on our belief. So faith is the action we take based on our belief, or I can add this, which is predicated by the spirit. So faith is the action we take based on our belief, which is what predicated by the spirit of God. Now let's go to the definition in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, faith is the substance of things hopeful. 
And the evidence of things don't seem two things. Substance and evidence. Substance and evidence. Stay with me. Substance and evidence. Now, my emphasis is substance. Now, what is substance? Substance is produced by the Holy Ghost in your heart. Now, someone asked me, what do you mean by substance? Let me give you an example. So, Ella, if Ella goes to Washington, D.C. and takes a picture at Washington, D.C. and sends it to us, we will all agree that Ella is in Washington, D.C., right? Ella goes to Washington, D.C. Or should I say she goes to the White House? She's not, she doesn't live in America. She's in Italy. Now, she goes to the White House or Washington, D.C., takes a picture and sends it to us in a WhatsApp group. Now, we have no doubt that Ella has been there, right? Because she has given us what? Substance. That substance is the picture. Stay with me. Are you catching it? Stay with me. That substance is the picture. The picture she's giving to us is the substance. It is the evidence. Am I making sense? The picture Ella sent us that she's in the White House of Washington, D.C. is the substance and the evidence. All right? I hope this analogy, you are catching this analogy. All right? Now let's go to the spirit. It is the Holy Ghost that produces the substance and evidence in our hearts. Now the substance and the evidence can come as revelation, can come as a knowing, can come as anything that is produced in your heart and in your spirit. So how do you know you are in faith? You know you are in faith by substance. What has the Holy Spirit placed in your heart? What has the Holy Spirit furnished in your heart? What has the Holy Spirit placed in your spirit? Bear witness with your spirit. Something is in your spirit. So you are praying. You are praying to God for something. And suddenly you just have a picture. You have an image, you have a conviction, you have a knowing in your spirit or in your heart. That is what we call substance. So when you have that substance, when then you are in faith. Because the Holy Spirit has produced an evidence in you. Making sense? So for instance, you are praying for something. You are praying to get into university. For admission, you are praying, 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 and then suddenly you see yourself in a university. You are not thinking about it. You see yourself. You see yourself in that, you know, in a university in a different location. That is substance. So with that, when you begin to pray and make proclamation, you are in faith. How did you get to that place? The Holy Spirit finished a substance. Substance can come in many forms. Image, picture, revelation, knowing, dream, vision, witness. You just know 
Some people will say, I just know, I know that this will work. It's a substance. For instance, with me, when I see certain things in the spirit, it is game over. I just know I've seen it. Game over. I have seen it. So faith is not risky. Many people think that faith is faith is risky. Faith is not risky. On the matters of faith, on the matters of faith, if you have seen and discerned and have bear witness accurately in your spirit, Kalima Sunima Ali Katuyaba is deja vu. No, deja vu is not deja vu is not substance, bro. No, it can be substance. Substance is more or less futuristic. Substance is more or less futuristic. Deja vu more, more or less works in, in, the, in the past and in the present. So when you pray in the spirit, be conscious of substance. Be conscious. We are here. We've come here for 10 days. We are praying. Sometimes you pray for certain things. Kalibi Azunimi Atunama. Let's say you are praying, you are praying, you are praying for you know a job opportunity. Father, open job employment. Boom. As you are praying, you feel like Katini Maya. Something just something was just ignited. You just know that mm, there is something, there is something, there's something. That's a substance. Or you are praying, Kanimi Katunima, Then you just see a quick flash. You just see a quick flash. Wow, you saw this company. That is substance. Or you are praying, Ekete Pekete, Ikoti Kadaba, Ezevekete Pakato, Ebo Santima Kadaba, Ikonamanama. You go and sleep, you have a dream. That is substance. So don't just pray by praying. Pray with your mind. Carry your mind. Focus. Sometimes God will give you substances whilst you are praying. That's why you have to be attentive when you are praying. People pray kanima nima and their mind is in zongo. No. A witness will be formed in you. So the Holy Spirit will produce substance in you. And substance is able to make you live in the future, in the present. Prophetic people or prophets live the future in their present. Because as soon as they see that picture, they believe that picture and begin, and begin to live that picture in their present. That is why they can reach their prophetic destination. Kalima suni milayaya. Substance. So you see something. You are praying and you see something. That is substance. It may not come just as seen. It may not come just as seen. It can come in many forms. God speaks in many forms. Sometimes it will be like something's on my heart. From last night, I couldn't, I was it's like my heart was pressed. 
attack. I was pressed. This morning I woke up, I was still like that. I prayed. I said, Lord, let that bed in me. Let that bed in me. Let that bed in me. And the bed in left. I was going to cancel Zoom. Kanima Sunimaya. Listen, in life, right? You don't talk. You don't do nothing until you have substance. Substance. It can come in many forms. A knowing. A conviction. Persuasion. Substance. Then once you have substance, you can talk. Many of us talk too much without substance. You must know when to speak. When you have substance, then you can utter words. If you have faith as small as a master seed, you can remove that mountain in your life. But before you remove that mountain in your life, you need substance from the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit place in your heart and in your spirit? That is substance. You are praying. You are praying for this issue. Father, I lift, I lift my mom. I lift my mom onto you. Every infirmity, every infirmity, we cast it out. We declare she's you. As you are praying, as you pray, something just hits your spirit that she'll be healed very soon. That's a substance. So then when you have that substance, you can go to your mom and lay hands on it and make a proclamation. And as soon as possible, or whatever time it takes, she'll be healed. That is substance. You don't make a move until you have substance. Substance can come in many forms. I'm not limiting substance because we limit the Holy Ghost by seeing and hearing. No. Sometimes you are praying and you just have a witness. People are lucky. Prophet Emmanuel is like he's, he's inspirational. He sees things on his eyes. Some of us, we, we, we have to use our spirit. You are praying. You won't see nothing. You won't hear anything. It's like you have to dive deep into the subconscious of your spirit and pick out an answer. Nothing is hard. You have to train your spirit. That's why we pray. We pray for long. Because if you are not sensitive, you can't capture it. It can come in many forms. I'm not limiting to, to that. But I believe that most of the communications God gives us is not cognitive. It is in our spirit. So you have to be sensitive. Because every day you are eating. You, you are eating. Nine o'clock, if eating jollof. Two, benku. Seven, fufu. How will you be sensitive? Fufu nyashe. So if God speaks, you are not sensitive. You get to a place, right? I'm saying this to somebody. You get to a place, right? It will be like a sin if you eat in the morning. I'm telling you. It will be like a sin. It's not a sin, but for you, it will be like a sin. You get there. Don't worry. You get there. When you get there, you remember what I said. It will be like a sin. Substance. If you want to do the impossible, 
I'll close right now. Two minutes, then we'll pray. You have to receive substance. When you receive that substance, then you release that substance by proclamation. You proclaim the substance. So for instance, your mother is sick. You are praying. And then God said, and then you are praying, Kelemi Katunama, and suddenly you hear the scripture, woman, receive your dead back to life. That in there is substance. So you can go to your mom and declare, woman, receive your dead back to life. I am telling you, it may not be instantaneously because sometimes healing is progressional. We have a miraculous healing. Miraculous healing simply means instantaneous. Certain healing, it takes time. But it doesn't take forever. It takes time. Maybe three days, then you, you, you fully get well. And then you, you speak those utterances to your mom. Woman, receive your death back to life. Maybe she might receive an instantaneous or miraculous healing right there. Or maybe in the next three days, she might get better. That's a substance. You are praying. Lord, Lord, release, release my help. I need help. I need somebody to help me with this. Then God is like something is, you know, you know, a lot of people, most of you say, something told me. The Holy Spirit just released substance to you. Then something be like, mm, go here. You know, go here at this time. When you went there at this time, that's where you received your help. Substance. If you want to manifest, you have to pray. When you pray, you receive that substance, then you're in business. Because in the substance lies the power. You are very powerful. You just don't know. Many Everyone here is powerful. You just don't know. Because you don't explore the spirit. You don't, you don't pray much. Don't fast much. You are very powerful. But for you to tap into that economy of power, you must explore the spirit. You must pray. When you begin to pray, and the Holy Spirit begins to beckon upon you, release substances. It may not, listen, it may not come as words. Most of the things God told me, to do in my life didn't come as word, it came as a witness. It came as a witness. So, how to work in accurate faith? Number one, substance by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit must furnish a substance in you. Number two, proclamation. You must proclaim it. You must say it. Number three, you must say it where? In the name of Jesus. What did I say before? Names are for authoritative purposes, not identification. I will ask this question. And if I ask this question, I will ask it now. If I ask it, I didn't get an answer. I know that you are in studying. You're, you're in learning what I'm teaching. 
Names is not for identification in the spirit. It is for authoritative purposes. Names is not for nomenclature, to number or identify. No. Right now, you have to put your name so I, I can call you. In the spirit, it's not for that. In the spirit, names are authoritative purposes for authority and for power. So, substance. That's why we pray that the Holy Spirit will finish a substance, put something. Now, when I say put something, understand that the, the, the highest percentile communication mode of God is witness. Can you take into teeth? Witness in my spirit. That is the that is that is the normal pathway the Holy Spirit takes. For you, it may not be that. For you, God will appear to you as light. But how many of us does God appear as light? Maybe one person here. Me, God don't appear to me as light. So, he appears to me in many forms. Most of the times, witness, burden. Most of the times, dreams and visions. Maybe you, God, may appear to you in imagination. I was talking to somebody. I said, God speaks in two forms. 